this is a young team. We're on the cusp. Right, we got to add some pieces to what we're doing here. Pierce running right. Spin move. Barrels his way down to the 41-yard line. What a run by Pierce. The type of players that we're looking for are players who are looking to swarm. Intercepted. Christian Harris. Game day is every day. Picked off by Stingley. Petrie. Texans have the ball on the pick. The takeaway train is rolling. And if you want it, you got to go work. Now, it's Texans All Access. Hello, Texans. Welcome to the program. Mark Vandermeer with you. And what a pleasure it is. What a privilege it is to spend a Thursday evening with these two men, John Harris and the general John McClain from gallerysports.com and sportsradio610.com, among other things, because he's on about, I don't know, two dozen shows a week on radio around the country and other media as well. I think I just saw the sun come out in parts of Houston. That's pretty cool as we've had a little bit of a issue today with the weather. I was at the carnival today at the rodeo and spent half my son's tuition there going on rides and playing those games, but that was fun with Vanderkid too. And what else is fun is free agency, league year, day two, and the NCAA tournament today. Congratulations, Furman. Congratulations, Princeton. Sorry about Corpus. That was too bad in TSU last night, but we've got three Texas teams rolling tonight, at least three, I believe, and we've got a big evening here to talk NFL, whatever else the guys want to talk about. Welcome in, General, and give me your thoughts, your takes so far on the Texans' acquisitions as reported. It's very interesting because I'm at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas for the first round of the NCAA tournament with Gary and Kelly Horn. And I'm betting, I never bet, I'm betting all our teams from Texas other than A&M Corpus Christi. And I've run into some people who stopped me because it's packed here. And, they, and they're not asking about the Astros, they're asking about the Texans, which you know, for until D'Amico got hired, it was all about the Astros. Now people are pumped up. And they still want to know, first and foremost, what they're going to do with the second pick, which quarterback are they going to get. But talking about free agency, I initially, the first day, I like the signing of Case Keenum as the backup quarterback. That means Davis Mills is going to be gone because he's not going to be a third quarterback. Case isn't going to be third. And I think Case will go from the Texans into coaching. He'll be a great mentor for the rookie. And then Jimmy Ward, who played with the 49ers for nine years, and he wasn't happy playing nickel last year, but he played very well. I talked to people in the organization, said he has great respect for D'Amico. He's the kind of guy that D'Amico wants, that Kyle Shanahan wanted to help with the culture. They want to implement. So I thought he was a real good signing. And then it picked up trade for Shaq Mason. I think he played all but 10 snaps last year. Very doable, play right guard. They cut A.J. Can, the starter, last year. And then now the offensive line looks in really good shape. They still need a center. Don't know if there's another vet out there or if they're going to have to go to the draft. But uh, getting Sheldon Rankins to go with Hassan Ridgeway to, to provide uh, depth and part of a rotation in the defensive line, I think that was real good. I think after the slow start, Nick Casario has rebounded quite well. Yeah, John, from where you sit, what do you think ultimately happens with Brandon Cooks? And we can get into the kind of receiver they want in the draft, but what are your thoughts overall on that? And any other off-season trade possibilities for this team? Never mind free agent acquisitions of the next wave of players, but trade possibilities for this team. 
What I wonder, I think Cooks will be traded for whatever they get for the draft. And I, I couldn't they get anything from Davis Mills with Tim Kelly talk uh, Mike Vrabel and Rand Cawthorn, the new GM. Let's give a pick for this kid. He looked really good when I was coaching him. Would they do that? I just don't see him keeping Mills as a third quarterback. I also feel bad for Mills because he wasn't ruined, but anything they got against him now happened in his second year, not his first year. And if they cut him, I'll bet he ends up in Tennessee. But I think those two guys are ripe to be traded for whatever pick that they can get. Might be in 2024, 2025. Casario's got 11 this year and 10 next year. But, uh, and I think that if they quarterback two, it gets down to 12, Nick could trade down like he did last year. And I think D'Amico would say, look, I really want a pass rusher or a defensive tackle here. And they would take the defensive lineman. And then, and, and you guys saw the combine, you were there. The value of wide receivers, especially guys who can run, starts in the second round. And if they wanted a wide out, you know, it's not a great class. I would be more inclined to take the wide receiver early in the second round. Now, let me ask you guys. Okay, they pick early in the second round. John Michael Schmitz is the best center in the draft. Would you pass up a receiver to solidify center for, you hope, 10 years? Yes. I'm a yes, too. I'd love Easy. to. Easy. That's yes. Be- you have to have that because we talk about every time somebody drafts an offensive lineman in this league, he's a decade starter, right, especially high, first couple of rounds. That's what you hope. That's what the hope and prayer is. And I think that that value is going to be a whole lot more than, well, look, you could have a game-changing, unbelievable wide receiver as well. But I think the likelihood is it's probably a safer bet at the center position than it is at wide receiver. I could be wrong analytically about that, but it just feels safer, Johnny. You're right. I think you're right. And I was watching a show this week in which a former general manager that I really respect, and I can't remember who it was, said, if you have a young quarterback and you're giving him receivers, if you don't give him an offensive line first, you're doing him an injustice. You can find receivers, but you better take care of him up front and I think the Texans are doing that. I like the moves. Shaq Mason was a great move. Now they got to get a center. And if they did it in the second round with somebody, really, we can't say 10 years. We can say five years uh, before free agency hits. Then I think people would be very happy with that because I think Kenyon Green's going to bounce back as a lot of guys do in their second seasons, get stronger, where he doesn't get bull rushed like he did. And that offensive line can be really good, which when is the last time we've said that about the Texans' offensive line can be really good? I know there are some teams, uh, and you just mentioned one a little while ago on a totally different topic. I saw this today that. The Seahawks might be considering John Michael Schmitz in the first round. So top of the second might not be able to get it done. Uh, And I think part of it is seen in the center, you know, free agent and rookie class combined. It just really wasn't good. Uh, And it it isn't good. Um, Beyond John Michael Schmitz, there are a couple of options, but he is clearly the number one center. And I think what that's going to do is he'll get overdrafted. Now he'll be a good player. He'll just be, he'll be overdrafted. I think he is, on my Harris 100, somewhere between 40, 50, somewhere in that range, he's probably going to end up back into the first round because teams need a center. 
and and the Texans obviously need one, and so the teams are going to look at it and go, hey, man, we need to get it the back end of that first round because the Texans are going to get one at the top of the second. So it's going to be really interesting to watch how that goes down with the draft uh, at center. General Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee's show yesterday. Did you learn anything new or that was, huh, that you listened to Aaron Rodgers yesterday on the Pat McAfee show about his future, going to the Jets, all that kind of stuff. Is there anything new that you felt you learned? Well, it, it reaffirms something I've been thinking for quite a while. I am sick in Rodgers. Just, you can't <laughs> make him go away. You can't send him back into the blacked-out retreat, darkness, and he's going to go to the Jets, the media capital of the world, and he's going to be shoved down our throats from a different angle, from the New York, New Jersey angle. I've never had a player I was more tired of, of had nothing to do with football than Aaron Rodgers. I don't even like looking at him. I wish they'd just get it over with and go on. He did say he expects to play for the Jets. And another thing, he, every time he goes on and blasts the media and says the media is saying and writing this, it's not true. It's not what, what they said and wrote. He did that with Adam Schefter and Diana Rossini, and he was wrong. But you can say anything you want. Just get him to the Jets, let them take him over and have all those headaches, and he'll regret he went there because they will not – be easy on him. General, more annoying in his prime, Terrell Owens and everything he did, like sit-ups in the driveway or whatever that was, working out in his driveway, all the other stuff, or what is going on with Rogers with quotes like, when I came out of the darkness, dot, dot, dot. What's more annoying? Who? Oh, my goodness. T.O., Terrell Owens was entertaining. He was not he was a little annoying. Aaron Rodgers is annoying with a capital A, irritating with a capital I. I don't know anybody other than cheeseheads who's not sick of him. And there's a lot of cheeseheads who are sick of him, including ones in the Packers front office. And I think he loves it. He loves the drama. And he didn't used to be like that. I'm not sure exactly when he went off the deep end, but it's pretty obvious he has. He's well, the kind know, of guy, when his career's over, he could be living on a commune somewhere in Northern California mountains. Well, I know two individuals who birthed me who are sick of Aaron Rodgers. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, John and Charlene are ready for Aaron Rodgers to uh, hit the bricks. So they're, they're ready for that. They're, they're ready to see heads. some Jordan love. Yeah, they're cheeseheads. Um, now, they're, they're Houstonians too, but they went back to Wisconsin. So uh, that runs deep. General, as you look around the AFC South, it feels like we're all kind of waiting for one team to make kind of a big move, but it doesn't feel like it. I mean, the Colts signed Gardner Minshew. Um, the Texans went out and got Robert Woods, Jimmy Ward, Shaq Mason. They did some things, and maybe it's more in volume. But as you look at the AFC South, is there a big move that sort of stands out from the four teams? No, not after the Titans didn't get rid of Ryan Tannehill. And they hadn't traded Derrick Henry, and I'm told that was more of a media fabrication. Jacksonville lost to right tackle. They're, you know, Doug Peterson can do no wrong now. Colts are really struggling. People are worried, oh my goodness, they're going to get the third quarterback. And uh, the division is not real good. Anybody that stays healthy and gets good play from a quarterback uh, has a chance. I told my wife, Carol, who does all the betting here, I said, I want you to put $100 on the Texans to win the AFC South. 
And she's like, what, the Texans? I said, if I'd asked you that this time last year about the Jaguars, what would you have said? And she said, okay. And let me ask y'all something. How is it that the Bears lost a game less, one fewer game than the Texans? (laughs) And the Texans are 200 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, the worst in the league, and the Bears are 90 to 1. How is that? You know what it is? It's love for Justin Fields and the move they just made because they got a great receiver in that deal. And there's just this perception out there. It's brand name recognition. It's seeing Fields run around and making plays, even though he lost the majority of his games. It's that. Nothing else. Nothing more. I think the Texans are better suited for a run right now. And by run, I mean a threat to win eight, nine games and possibly flirt with a playoff spot than the Bears are, even though Rodgers is going to be out of the NFC North. But Detroit's coming on strong. Minnesota's still going to be pretty good and good enough to beat the Bears for sure. And I think Green Bay, if Jordan Love plays as well as Johnny thinks he can, they're still a threat. They are still a threat, but that division shouldn't be. I mean, can Minnesota duplicate what it did last year in Kevin O'Connell's second season? No. I don't know. That was kind of winning all those games like they did. I think that Detroit, Detroit's only 22 to 1. I think Detroit's going to be favored to win that division. And maybe, maybe some of them will still have Minnesota, but it's, 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 it's going to be fun. You guys know what it's like when there's no dominant team in the division like the AFC South. It's going to be fun. We don't know. What the effect of the D'Amico, the D'Amico mm-hmm. Ryan's effect will be on this team? If I'd have told my wife last year, I want you to bet a hundred dollars on the Giants to make the playoffs, she would have gone to get a thermometer to take my temperature. So that's I never bet anywhere but here, and I like the underdogs and the Texans winning division. I I don't think it's going to happen, but hey, I still was willing to lose a hundred bucks on it. Hey. Trevor Lawrence sprains an ankle, misses four or five games. Texans get hot mm. at the right time. I mean, you never, hey, you, you never, never know what you never know. About Goes to Waffle like, House one too many times late in the night. Yes, preach, General. All right, Lamar Jackson. Is it Baltimore or bust for Lamar? What do you think happens there, Generals? We've seen this unfold. I think he stays in Baltimore. He stays and he plays on the tag. And, and um, if somebody else gives him $250 million guaranteed, they're not. But if it's not something astronomical like that, I think that the Ravens will match it and he'll be there. General, why do we have legal tampering at all? What's the point here? Because it feels very much the same. It's agreed to terms versus actually signing the deal. And I guess if you agree to terms, that is not a legal agreement. So maybe somebody could still recruit a free agent after that announcement is made, kind of like signing day in college or whatever. But your thoughts on why they just don't go with the start of the league year and let's rock and roll from there. They sure take a lot of starts out of the start of free agency. I remember one year, y'all remember who this is, Texans had a deep player. I think it was a defensive player. He went to Buffalo and they announced it at 12.01 a.m. Jeff Posey. Jeff Posey. And we're like, wow, man, that Asian did a great job in one minute. And the NFL knows all this stuff goes on. Even the term legal tampering is not the correct term, but it's fun. And I I kind of liked it in the old days where you had to sit in front of your computer for like 10 or 12 hours at the start of free agency because it was just one deal after another. 
but it just depends when all these deals get done and you know they've been negotiated before that they just get announced but uh, I don't have a problem with it although I kind of like the official start of free agency was like the start of the Indy 500 you know they didn't start it two days before everybody knew when it was boom you're off and that's uh, the way it's not anymore so, General, did you uh, did your wife put money down on Princeton to beat Arizona? Did you make some money from that win? No, no. I saw somebody <laughs> this morning, I think it's Kenny Smith, put Baylor losing a championship game. And I told Gary Horn, who went to Baylor like I did, I said, it's obvious Kenny Smith has not watched Baylor play the, the end of the year when they lost four or six and lost twice to Iowa State. So, no. We're, we have, I told Carol, I don't want to bet against any team. I want you to take Houston 18 and a half, Texas 13 and a half, the Aggies two and a half. Tyler Miller guaranteed me on that one. I should make him pay if I lose. TCU, I'm not sure on six against Arizona. Arizona looked really good in the play in game. And, and, uh, but I want the Aggies, the Cougars, the Longhorns, the Frogs, and the Bears to win because it'd be great for the state of Texas. And I tell you, there's quite a few people here with burnt orange on. What about the Froghorns of TCU? I feel awful. That's going to be a tough one. I'm for TCU. I'm going to tell Carol because of Kelly. And Kelly bet on Arkansas because her dad went to Arkansas, and uh, Gary did too. But I told her, we're going to take the Frogs. We're taking all our teams from Texas. Nice. I feel horrible for that kid from UVA who, what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> terrible. Crazy. Oh, my oh. goodness. Oh, it was awful. You should have seen the people, anyway, in general, here, the people in here, including oh, Gary yeah. Horn on oh, my yeah. right, who needed Virginia to win by a point. When that kid had that, threw it up in the air for the turnover, Gary. In fact, I tweeted a picture of Gary at that moment. He's not really happy. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank Gary, you very much. Tell Gary, tell Gary, I love him. It. And I'll uh, do it. Do you have anything else going on on your platforms? You need to. Tell I us got about all general? kind of stuff as usual, and I appreciate you guys having me. And I'll tell you whether I won or lost next week. Thank you very much. Sounds beautiful. John McClain joining us from Las Vegas. First day of the NCAA tournament. Coming up, what this day and tomorrow, these first two days, remind me of something very familiar to us all. Also, in the conversation with the general, a nightmare scenario developed. I'll share it with you. And I want to get some thumbnails from Johnny in rapid-fire fashion on some of these acquisitions for the Texans that they reportedly made. It's Texans Radio. Stay tuned for more on the Houston Texans and the NFL on Texans All Access. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Great to have you listening. As we begin the NCAA tournament, Thursday and Friday action, plenty of Texas schools in action. And, Johnny, these two days, I said it before the break, you know what they remind me of? Every NFL Sunday, they do. The excitement (laughs) that you have today and tomorrow kind of reminds me of an NFL Sunday. There's just nothing like it. And I've been having conversations with people about broadcasting and changes in the broadcasting landscape and things like that, people from around the country. And we all agree that there's just nothing like the NFL model. When you have Sunday to yourself as a league, 
There's just something so incredibly special about that. It becomes a national holiday, right? It becomes something, and not literally, of course, but it becomes something that feels that way, a special day that's reserved for that. And when you have other stuff to do, if you're a fan, you feel sort of resentful that anybody could possibly schedule anything else. I have to camp out in front of the TV. I have to. Now, I appreciate people having to do things like errands or pick up the kids from the soccer game on Sunday because that means they're listening to us on the radio, and that's very cool as well. But you get my drift. I mean, is there anything else that I'm missing here? These two days have that feel of I just want to be there and watch it and watch all the crunch time action and everything else involved. Yeah, I don't think there's there's any question. I mean, I look so forward to Sunday. I mean, obviously our game is is such a such a big one. But you know, if we play a noon game and you 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 know we get our stuff done and then you get an opportunity to watch what's happening in the afternoon games. And I know I can't remember what week it was, but I remember I had gotten home and I just remember sitting on a couch and I'm kind of I'm watching Red Zone, but I'm writing and I just happen to look up at Red Zone because it's the end of the Patriots game and I'm like, all right. How are they going to? What are they going to do here? They're around midfield. Maybe they could get a field goal off. I don't know. This is going to be kind of interesting. And then all of a sudden, you see Jacoby Myers throw that ball back to Chandler Jones, and you're like, "What just happened?" I mean, I mean, it's a it's a one of you know sixteen on a Sunday afternoon, and you're just like, "What just happened in this game?" And and you'll never you'll never forget it. And you have those uh, in March Madness as well. Obviously, you have a volume. Uh, of games this weekend you know you've got 32 over the next two days and you got 16 Saturday and Sunday so you've got a volume of games but I think if there's if there's any difference at all I think it's that in the NFL everybody's on the same level so you're not gonna have that Princeton beating Arizona thing you're not gonna have everybody across the country cheering for one team because that team's a 15 seed versus a two seed. That said, they do this for two weekends. NFL does it for 18 plus the playoffs. So um, th- there is definitely a feather in the cap for the NFL. But yeah, it has it has that feel of at 11 o'clock Central Time. You want to be in front of the television and watch these games that are going on. Just the same way, if you're not at a Texans game, you want to be in front of the TV watching Red Zone or watching CBS or Fox or whatever. I saw something today, Mark, I thought was interesting. CBS and Fox, this year, the AFC-NFC thing is is almost no longer. It was kind of heading that way anyways, but apparently this year it's completely yes. off. So it's it's CBS and Fox drafting games each and every weekend, which is going to be fascinating to see how many times they take the Jets now if Aaron Rodgers ends up being a quarterback, et cetera. But really, that – I didn't know it was getting to that point. I knew it was I knew it was the fact that CBS and Fox were sharing games or hey, you, there was kind of a sharing agreement on on certain things. Um and they would swap games from now from, you know, I just wonder why it took them so long to get to this point. I think this is a I think it's a great thing um to see, you know, CBS and Fox kind of having to kind of vote for which game they're going to have on particular weekends. I think that's going to be pretty cool to watch. Yeah, and I think the fan wins here, Johnny, because you're more likely to get a better game when one or the other has the afternoon window and they'll be able to feed you a good matchup, a competitive matchup. Not that they're not always able to do that, but there are instances where you kind of get duds after the early window. Or duds is a strong word, but games that are 
less appealing. And sometimes you have right. this loaded slate at noon. Now, it's different when you want to watch your team play. But when your team's off or whatever the case is, or maybe you don't have a team, you want to have your pick of the litter here, and you want every window to have a showcase marquee game. So I'm old enough, and I know a lot of our listeners might be, to remember when CBS had the NFC and NBC had yeah. the AFC, right? And right. that was the day, right, where Pat Summerall, John Madden, and Pat Summerall, murder she wrote tonight after the, <laughs> you know, he would be promoting the late CBS yes. after 60 minutes. So that was a staple, but I think this is much better. It really gives the networks a better opportunity to get the best possible games on the air, and why not? All right, Johnny, nightmare scenario. The general talking about Davis Mills, and here's Mills with Case Keenum coming in. We talked about E.J. Perry last night a little bit. The general thinks that Mills might be the subject of a trade or maybe not with the team or whatever the case is. I don't know anything about this, but – he mentioned Mills possibly going to Tennessee if he were to leave one way or another via trade or release, whatever. And, yeah, this is all speculation, hypothetical stuff. But, Johnny, that's a nightmare scenario to me. I, if Mills, and good for Davis if he flourishes somewhere if he's not here, but I don't want to see it be in Tennessee. Come on. I cannot have that if he ends up playing for them somehow and Tim Kelly and, oh, my gosh, it's magic. This is where we wanted him to be last year, but he just didn't have the right coordinator, whatever the case is. And that combined with Gardner Minshew going to the Colts and maybe having an opportunity there. Look, I shouldn't be fearing Gardner Minshew. I'm really not. But there's always been something about him. Like, if he ended up with the Texans somehow in a backup role, I'd love that because he's a very likable guy and a lot of fun. I just don't like him being in the division. I loved it when he left Jacksonville. Uh, We wouldn't have to deal with him. I wouldn't have to be sort of mildly jealous of the content he creates for their internal media team or whatever. (laughs) But your thoughts on those things? Yeah, I I had that same thought about Gardner Minshew. There's an uncomfortability of facing him. And I, I just I just don't like it, even though we had success in 19 facing him, beating him twice, once when Justin Reed made the stop of Leonard Fournette at the goal line, and then in London completely just shut him down. And if I remember correctly, that was the last time we've seen him. Um, but I but don't hold me to that. Because we, we saw Jake Luton in 2020, and I can't remember who we saw in week one. But either way, point being – yeah, it's, it's kind of uncomfortable to see him go to Indianapolis. I, I'm curious to see what Indianapolis now does. Davis is the bigger thing. And I, and I, posted, a, I posted a video of Bryce Young on my Twitter and, uh, and C.J. Stroud as well. And it kind of it was interesting because I got a couple of tweets that were, why are you guys giving up on Davis? Man, like yelling at me about it. I'm like, it's stop, like, stop killing the messenger with this, guys. Just stop. Mm-hmm. And I – you know, the question was, why, I mean, why are you giving up on Mills? You know, and it went through all the different things that, that Davis, you know, did or did, didn't have, did in 21, but he didn't have in 22. And, you know, some of it, you know, hey, new coordinator. He had, you know, he was dealing with Pep instead of having Timmy. And with Timmy, he had three games in which he was 130 or better with his quarterback rating as a rookie. So, yeah, you could see, you could see some things, but he also had games um, as a rookie that he would tell you that we weren't even competitive in. You know, last year in 2022, we were competitive in almost every game. But we just couldn't mm-hmm. make the plays in the fourth quarter. Now, 
could could Davis with coaching of Bobby Slowick um, and Gerard Johnson become a better quarterback? Sure. And that's why I don't think you do anything with Davis until if and until you get an opportunity to see everybody in camp. Uh, OTAs, mini camps. I mean that, and I think you keep all four, you keep all four guys. You let EJ be the guy. Look, EJ, you're going to be here, but you know you're going to be a developmental guy. So we're going to get you reps in preseason games, and you're going to have to get reps other ways. But we're going to have a competition for number two between Davis and Case, and uh, you know away we go. And whoever the young guy is, presumably would be the number one guy, but you don't know. So I don't think you do anything with Davis at all. Now, if the Titans say, hey, we'll give you a first-round pick, like, okay, that's a little different story. But, but I, Back you know, to earth. Yeah, there's a part of me that doesn't want to give up on Davis uh, as well. I, you know, I'm kind of the same way, but you also, I think, have gotten to a point of you've got to improve that position. Um, even, even if Davis yeah. had not turned the ball over as much or had been a little bit better in the fourth quarter, you know, Davis could have controlled a lot of that. You know, Davis could have controlled the fact that this team could have been 7 to 10, 8, 9. Now, it wasn't all his fault. It, it never is. But you know how this league is. Quarterback is the, is the biggest thing. And Davis had that opportunity, and it didn't, it didn't come to fruition. And so at that point, that's the way this league is. you got to go find the guy, however you're going to do it, whether it's a free agent or whether it's, a, whether it's a, a, you know, a number two overall draft pick, maybe it's the number 12 overall draft pick. Who knows? But – you got to get better at the position. And the best way to do that is through the draft. So, draft a guy. And you know what? Drew Brees was out in San Diego with the Chargers. They saw him, you know, all those machinations and get Phillip Rivers. And what did he do? He held on to the job for three more years or two more years. So, you know, yeah. you can do that. You can put the rookie on the bench, play at a Pro Bowl level, and the rookie will stay on the bench. So, Drew Brees did. And then he became, obviously, a Hall of Famer once he got to New Orleans. But keep the rookie on the bench. See how that goes. So you have an opportunity. You have that in your hands. So we'll see. But I, I, I understand not wanting to give up on Davis. I don't see a trade at all because I don't want to say that's an admission of you're giving up on him, but you never know. Bring him into camp. Maybe he clicks. Maybe this offense clicks with him. And, and maybe he just lets his hair down enough that he starts becoming, you know, the guy that we thought he could be when he was drafted back in 2021. Well, you know how I feel. I don't like letting go of anybody where you have a little bit of depth and whatever you want to call it. You have a, a bunch of players here. You'll have four players at that position group. I don't want to let it go of anybody until I see who's healthy and who's not toward the end of camp. And then you can make decisions on sure. trades or releases or things like that. I like to have a little bit of insurance there. All right, one more segment to go. I wanted to get those thumbnails from you. That might have to wait till tomorrow. But we've got other things to talk about around the NFL as it's a beautiful day. League year, day two. We'll continue our Texans talk. It's Texans Radio. Texans All Access continues in a moment. We return to Texans All Access. All right, the Texans have released some players today. A.J. Can gone from the offensive line, Johnny, as we figured that might happen with the acquisition, reportedly, of Shaq Mason. So he joins the fray. Also, Mario Addison, which is too bad. We like Mario a lot. Veteran, 13 years in the league, has been released from the team. And Jalen Reeves-Maven, who did some nice things in spots for the squad, a six-year veteran out of Tennessee released, but 
They signed, they announced the signing of Derek Rivers. They have not announced the other signings just yet. We talked about Rivers added to the mix at the edge position and added. He's re-added as he's been hurt a lot, but when he's been out there, he's made plays. But any thoughts on these releases so far as we continue to piece together this 90-man roster? Not too surprised. I mean, after the Shaq Mason trade, um, I my next thought was, wait a second, how long was A.J. Kant's contract? And then, of course, right after that, you see it looks like the Texans intend to um, move on from A.J. Kant. And, and I hate that for A.J. in some sense because of all the linemen last year, I felt like he was as consistent um, as you would want a guy to be. Now, it wasn't always fantastic, but he was pretty consistent throughout the year. He didn't have major misses, and I think he was a pretty good leader in that locker room. But I think Shaq Mason, because of his agility, his feet, movement skills, his ability in screens to get out in front, um, ability to block um, linebackers in the zone running game, you put a you put a quick athletic center next to him, you're going to have some opportunities to do some things running the football because of the agility and the quickness of those guys up front. And A.J. doesn't have quite that quickness. He's got some power in his hands. He's got incredibly strong hands. But that's not that's not really his game. It's got to be an offensive line. I don't, not all the way back to, you know, the Wade Smith, Chris Myers, Dwayne Brown lines where those guys were agile and could move and could run. Not quite to that level, but it's got to be an offensive line that can move. Uh, Kenyon's got to be able to show that he can move. So seen him a couple times in the building this offseason, so hopefully he's working towards towards that. But not really surprised. You know, Mario in training camp showed some things, but then he got hurt right off the bat. And so we missed him early in the season. He never really got his footing. And Jalen Reeves may have been just not able to break into that linebacker rotation uh, to kind of show what he could do. So it gives these guys an opportunity to go find a team before the draft to sign up with a team and get in the building and start working and get through conditioning and all that. So I think if I was a player, I think I'd want that. If you know you're moving on from me, let me go now so I can go find an opportunity somewhere else in this March through April April void before a team gets into the draft and maybe I can impress them and you know maybe they're going to stay with me as opposed to a draft pick, all that kind of stuff. So I, I, if I'm a player, I like that, but not too surprised uh, by the three um, – deletions, I guess. I was about to say additions, but not really additions. Um, A.J. Mm-hmm. Can, Mario Addison, and Jalen Rees-Maven. You know, one more thing about the quarterback, because I was at the uh, carnival today at the rodeo, and people were asking me about Keenum and who they're going to draft and stuff like that. And by the way, Vanderkid, too, excelled at whack-a-mole. He's kind of the <laughs> pinball wizard of whack-a-mole. I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but uh, he really, you know, he won a couple of stuffed animals, so I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly proud. It only cost me about $200 to get that <laughs> done today. Anyway, uh, with Keenum, I think this is, it, it's such a good acquisition because, you know, we talked about Mills. If Mills is here, I mean, John McClain speculated he might not be, but if Mills is here, that's going to light the fire of all fires and he can be competitive and maybe play much better in this system with Bobby Slowick. You know Keenum can operate in this system. He's grown up in this system. So he'll be effective. In fact, I was thinking, 
what would the 49ers have done with Case Keenum in the NFC Championship mm-hmm. game or down the stretch? I know I'm not going to take anything away from what Purdy did, but a veteran who knows the system a little bit, the way they're so quarterback friendly with what they operate with, I think that's pretty cool. So I, I think it's a very good acquisition for them. We'll talk about it more tomorrow. Johnny, tomorrow I want to get into rapid-fire thumbnails on the guys they've acquired. We'll also have a visit with the Texans front office executive and also a visit with Damian Pierce. That's coming up tomorrow on the 6 o'clock program, so you don't want to miss any of it. Have a great night. Thank you, Jace, for producing. Thank you, Johnny. And go all the Texas schools in the NCAA tournament. Go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.